Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We welcome back to the show in studio from the Sports Corporation. He's got one of the largest books, which means he's got one of the largest cumulative amounts of uh, NHL client dollar totals. From the Sports Corporation, Jerry Johansson. He's our Oilers Now headliner, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. I was talking to Trent Wilhawk this weekend. It's good to hear he's doing well. Jerry, thanks for coming in. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. I actually missed you since yeah. our trip to Irma. Yeah. So good to see you again. Hey, wait, wait, I, I, I think it's the first time I've ever driven on Highway 14 where I was driving the speed limit. Oh, man. You're, it's a different you're... a different time now than it used to be. Let me tell you, about 10, 15 years ago, you could fly on that baby and not no more. It's, no. Uh, I think if we got pulled over and we said we're heading to Irma, they would have let us off. You think so? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So we went out to uh, Irma, uh, and I guess this is a byproduct of sort of the relationship building that you do. Uh, Irma has Carson Suse. You represented Carson. Um and he's, I mean, I mean, you've got Brayden Point, who's one of the best players in the world, and you had Carey Price, who's one of the best goaltenders in the world, and you had defensemen like Brent Seabrook, and at the end of his career, Duncan Keith. Uh, you had Milan Lucic when he was with the Oilers. You got, a, you, you know, um, Slavkovsky, the number one pick in the draft last year. But one thing I've always respected, and the genesis of our relationship, actually, and we'll get to Carson and Mike Susie in a second, and the folks out in Irma, in the... 0506 year, you'd reached out to me a couple times on a guy by the name of Ian McDonald, who I was the SID at the University of Alberta. Ian ended up uh, third in the Western League in scoring. You guys, he was a third overall pick in the WHL Bantam draft. So you'd had a relationship with Ian and his family from the time that he was like 13, 14. He ended up at the U of A, and you would call me a couple times a year and ask me how he was playing. And I'm like, and this is when I was doing the show on the other station as well. And I thought, you're not making any money off of Ian McDonald at that point, but you still wanted to see how he was doing academically in school and all that. Because uh, people sit there and they look at the big contracts. You just worked on the one with Sebastian Ajo. But you care about all your guys, don't you? Is, is that part of how the business works? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest part of our business, at least from my perspective, is you. Know, I think people think we're doing contracts and talking to teams and watching hockey, which is true. But for sure, the most important thing is you have to really, you know, value relationships. And uh, even our most successful players, like we didn't know that Carey Price was going to be Carey Price or Braden Point was going to be Braden Point. So you really have to enjoy getting to know people and their families and 
And so once you do that, you can't really turn that off. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, you and know, nor do you want to. We'll talk in a second about where the business is at right now and the stagnant cap and that sort of thing. But Carey Price is an interesting. So I've been to Anaheim Lake. Uh, I, I think I might be the only broadcaster in the entire league that's been to Anaheim Lake. I worked there in uh, 1997 with uh, Silverado Silviculture. I was a foreman of a tree planting crew. He, he used to fly into Williams Lake from Anaheim Lake to play. How did you like? How did you end up in connection uh, with with Carey Price to to you know develop this relationship where he ultimately became the fifth overall pick in the twenty two thousand five NHL entry draft? Yeah, that's just you know it's like we're, we're we sort of mirror a team. You know, we I'm out in the road and I'm checking with Scott Bonner at the time who was working for the Vancouver Giants and he's my best friend. So he's telling me you should go see Carey Price. So I've learned a long time ago to listen to what Scott says and. In those days, it was after the Bantam draft, so I drove up to the golf course and met with Kerry and his dad, and probably an hour they hired us, and yeah, it worked out great. But you know, you once you start working with players, you, you don't you don't know where they're headed. You just work for them, and you get to know them. You know their family, and you you know you like them like they're my friends. Right. And it's a business, but but they're they're people that you like. So calling Ian McDonald is. Or any of our players, I'd take their call anytime. Right. Uh, well, and we should mention, like you know, Carrie's mother was the uh, the head of the nation. Uh, I believe she still is, actually, uh, out of the, on uh, on Anaheim Lake. Um, and there aren't a lot of success stories like a guy who goes on to backstop Canada to an Olympic gold medal. No, and that, that, that's the other thing you learn about your players. Like you, you're like our scouting report is a lot, largely their family unit when we first meet them. And you know, Jerry played pro hockey, was with Philly for a while, and back in the old days, the double pad stack days. Right. And uh, his mom Linda is just an impressive, impressive lady. Like she's an attorney. She's the chief of her band, and you know. So, and I know his sister Kayla, and right. You know when you. Then you see Carrie in a different light, and he realizes this guy's a serious guy. He's got a great support structure, and so you're not surprised as you know you don't expect it. But I'm not surprised he turned out as good as he did. He's we're, a great guy. We're joined by Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation. How old are the kids that you guys first start? Is it in that Bantam draft sort of year? Is that when the relationship building kind of begins, or is it a little bit after? What, what, it's what, a what, little John? earlier now, actually. It's funny because just just because of social media and. You know the uh, academies and and the exposure to the kids are is is more at an earlier age. So we're, you know, we're working with kids born in 2010, actually, really wow. nice kids. We work on a handshake, like it's, uh, you know, we're just going to help them out. And at some point, we sign a contract, probably three or four years later. Okay. But it's just uh, they're they're the best kids at the time. Really nice families and. You know, we're just trying to help guide them. All right. Uh, from a development perspective, I mean, there's team development, but is there a development for? Is that beholden upon the agency as well to assist in that process? I mean, do you guys have spring camps, summer camps? Do you do camps for your players? Oh yeah, a ton. We really mirror a team. Like we're we really we're Team TSC. So we we bring our kids in. You know, obviously we're trying to get to know them, which takes a while. And but we do, you know, we bring them in for camps. We have uh, you know shooting coaches, skating coaches, social media things, media people right. helping us out. Yeah. You know, trying to teach these kids what lies ahead. And so part of our job is to keep one or two steps ahead of them, so we can guide them. If you're one step behind your clients, it's a little hard to guide them. So. Yeah. 
Jerry Johansson joining us right now. It's 113 at Edmonton. Uh, maybe you can shed some insight for us, Jerry, from the Sports Corporation. We've had, and Ken Holland's talked about it, uh, and we should mention, full disclosure, does Ken's son-in-law work for you? He does, Kevin yeah. Coral. Kevin Coral, who played uh, for the Regina Pats and played out at Acadia in the uh, U Sports. Um, you know, Ken talks about the fact that the cap's gone up by $2 million since he became GM of the Edmonton Oilers, and he lost uh, three of his top four projected defensemen because Oscar Clefbaum retired, Adam Larson left, and the Oilers had to trade John Marino, an American player that didn't ultimately sign with Edmonton. But $2 million cap space over the span of four years here. This pandemic is... And we're hoping that there's a significant step next year in the cap. But how challenging has it made it uh, for uh, for guys on your end of the business in terms of negotiating with the NHL executives, knowing that there's a lot of teams out there that are they're in LTIR in the off season? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's, I mean, it's certainly really difficult for teams. I mean, for us, it's hard too. But but we just deal in the reality of it. So. A dollar is a dollar, and the offer is the offer, and you know there's right. not much we can do about that. It's a little bit like an Edmonton winter; it goes on for so long, you start getting <laughs> used to it, and you just sort of deal with it. And but this has been a long time, so I'm hoping the sun comes out and the grass starts to turn green, and we get a little bit of, you know, light. All right, Jerry. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a bit about your career trajectory, and because uh, I don't know if the plan was for you to be an agent when you're sitting there as a 15, 16 year old kid from the Sports Corporation. He's uh, one of the biggest agents in the National Hockey League. Jerry Johansson in studio. No orders now. We have from the Sports Corporation, Jerry Johansson. He's. I'm just going to take a look on Puckpedia.com. They list the uh, the. They have an agent leaderboard and. No, I've, I've, I've misquoted you. I said you're a top five. You're fourth. Uh, with $547 million worth of contracts, 50 active contracts over the course of the next seven, eight years. That does not include Sebastian Ajo. Uh, so you're fourth. So uh, Craig Oster from Newport, who took over a lot of the business from Donnie Meehan, uh, Pat Brisson and uh, J.P. Berry from CAA, and then there's Jerry Johansson. It's quite. Uh, I guess it's a good thing, isn't it, Jerry? I mean, it's. Is it, you tell me. I guess it's better than being at the bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah, but it's good. We're we're pretty Western based. Like we have really good European partners, but we're not in Ontario or the states, really. Right. Right. So it's. Uh, I guess it's. It's we're we're punching above our weight out here in the West. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So so take us through the journey. You you, you played in the Western Hockey League as a player. Where'd you grow up? First of all. Man, right from the bush. I, I was born in Meadow Lake and grew up in a small town called Pierceland. Okay. Even people from Saskatchewan don't know where they. It's just just on the other side of Cold Lake. Okay. But my dad was a cop. He was a great guy and RCMP. RCMP. Yep. And just uh, basically gave me a sense of humor and a little bit of the John Wayne. Like you, that's how guys are supposed to be, kind of. In those yep. days, we had two channels on TV, so All I don't right. know. That was pretty good training, and you played hockey because there was really no other option. It wasn't like we had a list of things to do, so it was a great way to grow up. Now uh, you were a pl- uh, so your father was a policeman, and you were a bit of a policeman in, in junior ho- by accident, or just because you were a big kid. I just I actually sort of by accident when I was a kid. I think I got into my first fight in junior A in Swift Current uh, at the time. And I think it was in the hallway with a fan. And uh, from that point on, I didn't really think about it, but it, I sort of just, everyone looked at me different, and it just became my role for a short period of time. So I figured, well, I better play this card yeah. and see how it goes. And you ended up, what, three years in Tri-Cities? 
Yeah, I played in, uh, went to univer- uh, the NCAA, played junior A, got drafted by Montreal, went to the NCAA for a year, came back. My senior year, they won the national championship. I left to play in New West. So I played for Patty Janelle and Ernie McLean and okay. uh, realized that me be you know, as tough as I might have thought I was, I realized that's probably not the best way for me to make a dollar. And uh, I went down, when New West moved to Tri-Cities, I went down as an assistant coach, and that was a, a really, really good experience for me. Uh, so, sorry, which NCAA program were you were you headed off to at Lake one time? Superior State. Lakers. Lake, Lake yep. State. So you are there back in 84-85. That's just before Doug Waite was there? Yeah, just before, yeah. And uh, my senior year, had I stayed, they won the national championship. Yeah, so. there you go. So you end up with the new Westminster Bruins, and of course, uh, our old school listeners, you mentioned that name, and speaking about the bush, Ernie Punch McLean, he got lost in the bush like eight or ten years ago, and he went missing, and then they ended up finding him, like, and he was alive. And it, I don't know if he subsequently passed away or if he's still alive, but... No, uh, I had lunch with him in, in, come on. At, in the Memorial Cup in Kamloops. Ernie was sitting right behind us, so How? I... I bought him. I don't know. He must be. He looks like he's fifty. He must be one hundred and fifty. He's been around forever, but he looks great. And uh, I mean, those teams that he had back in the seventies. I mean, the joke was the new Westminster Bruins had a bigger team, a bigger defense than the Philadelphia Flyers. Like they were as Boris Fistrick, uh, Mark Fistrick's dad, who's since passed away. Boris Fistrick was one of their nineteen tough guys that they had in, when they were the Queens Park Rangers, and just intimidated everybody. Right back it was, in the day, it was crazy. And you know, it's funny because my buddies that I played with, we talk fondly about those days, and it was great. Um, I certainly wouldn't want my son playing in those days, but when we look back on it, it just was the way it was. So you never really questioned it; you just did it, and. Uh, you know, and most of the guys I played with are doing really well. So it was a, it was a really uh, interesting way to grow up. It was a little bit like going off to war, like your parents sent you out the door and you came back in the summer, and that yeah. was really. It made me. You talk to them once every two weeks on the phone. Really, but there wasn't. You know, you just sort of went there and survived, and it was a pretty cool way to grow up. Who was the best player in New Westminster that you would have played with at that time? Mark Recchi. Yeah, Mark Recchi, Todd Ewan, Bill Ranford. We had a really good team. I don't know what happened to it. We sort of traded everybody away and went a little. In, we went a little south, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I was the captain of my team, and I cared about. I really liked my teammates, and I was always paying attention to how the operation was run. And I just sort of had. Now, did you have Bill LaForge in there as well? Were well, you there I, that year? Actually, that? no. When I was so after I was done playing, I played at UBC for, for a half year. A year. I got kicked out of there. That's a whole other story. I went to... Uh, <laughs> we got time at Summer Radio, man. I don't know if I want to talk about it. I'm trying to forget those days. But actually, uh, Bill LaForge was hired in Tri-Cities as as the head coach. And I was the assistant coach. Uh-huh. And then the, But Bill was a real character. Like I had a really good talk with Jack, Jack, Jeff Jackson randomly um, on an airplane. And he played for Bill. And he told me stories which so many guys that played with Bill did. They just admired the guy, loved the guy. When I worked with him, he wasn't doing well physically. Like he'd been, he he'd, he'd been going some health issues, and yeah. But it was crazy. The team went on strike. The Portland was in our building. Our team never showed up. It was it was so, just crazy. So for the listeners, so Bill was with the Regina Pats in the WHL. Uh, Stu McDonald, who works for the Oilers, we had him on the air last Wednesday. Uh, Stu was one of the uh, part part of the decisional along with Chorus to move Oilers now from noon to two into the afternoon drive. He worked with Bill LaForge in Regina, and then Bill ended up in the OHL. 
And and that's when Jeff Jackson, because I remember uh, a number of years ago in Pittsburgh, Jeff uh, took us out. We went out for dinner, and uh, with some uh, people that traveled on a trip, and he was telling the story about this line brawl that they had had, and it was memorable because Brad Delgarno fought Bob Probert, and that's when Bob Probert was like 19 and Delgarno was 16. And then he ends up back in the WHL um, in, and has some success in Kamloops, gets hired by the Canucks, and it's a disaster. And then he resurfaces later on with you guys in Tri-Cities, or sorry, and uh, that was in Tri-Cities, right? Mm-hmm. Now, was that also the year that uh, you as an assistant coach, Jerry, Got punched in the face by uh, Maxi. Yes, I did, and uh, I started it. By the way, did you? it wasn't very smart of me. I didn't know what I was doing. I went over there and stood there, like I didn't, I'm thinking, what's How old were you at this time as an assistant coach? I was like twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah, I was still like a player. I was, you know, fired up. And but in those days, you know, it's funny. Now it's so much about X's and O's, and you know, statistics and training. And in those days, it was all about character and attitude. Yeah. So I don't remember like these great coaches. I never remember a breakout or anyone giving me a tip on anything <laughs> like how to, it was all about like, you know, your, your aggression or your style or your difference is about jam and let's right. go get them. And, yeah. and I look, I think about how it is now and everything's so technical. It's like analytics and all who, this who other coached, stuff. So you'd use a little the old school now and uh, yeah. we certainly could have used back then a few little tips on how to like handle a puck or make a breakout. Uh, when you were at UBC, Terry O'Malley, is that who your coach was at that time? Terry O'Malley was one of the first guys I remember to give me a tip on how to hold my stick. And I remember him, I always called him Mr. O'Malley because he was a, such a great guy and he was awesome. I didn't last long there, but he made an impact on me. Oh, I just remember, I mean, you talked about the technical side of the game, and could you imagine being a major junior player, and then you come to Edmonton, and you're not going to go the pro route, and you're going to go play for Claire Drake and Bill Morris. And it's not about control and relationships, and it's not about getting a guy revved up to be out of control. It's about thinking your way around the ice and, and, you know, being a cerebral player, and it's a a completely different situation. So your assistant coach, and yes, you ended up getting... Was it a a sucker punch by Brian Maxwell, or... No, no, it was a fair punch. I just got grabbed by the security, so by the time you punched me, I was... Which I should have been grabbed by. I was an idiot, basically. But I look back on it finally. Me and Maxie, we talk lots. He's a good guy. You're bigger than him. That's why I find this interesting. Well, he should have punched me. I mean, it it wasn't like a sucker punch. He did what he should have done. I just was an idiot. So was he coaching Spoke then? Yeah, he was coaching Spokane, and they had this Kerry Toporowski who was really tough. Yes. And he was skating around, intimidating our bench a little bit. We were pretty tough. So I decided I would start yelling at Maxie. And then after the period, I took my suit jacket off, rolled up my sleeves and stood right by the gate wondering what's going to happen next. As I remember going, I'm not sure why I'm here. So yeah, he should have punched me and the security and should have grabbed me. Yeah, and he it did. was good. Yeah. 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 And now was that the year Spoke won the Memorial Cup in 91? Because they had one of the toughest teams of all time that year. They were tough. Yeah. And so were we. I mean, we were, but it, and you know, the, the stuff that happened, like we went into the stands in Seattle, had a massive um, brawl with the crowd. And I remember thinking when I see it now, I it's almost like I'm like, what happened? And But at the time, it was just normal. Like, it wasn't even that big a deal. Like, we were kind of fired up and like, I can't believe that happened. And then we're like, okay, what about tomorrow? And maybe somebody got a one-game suspension. I think if that happened now, you'd be suspended for life. Yeah. And it it was kind of fun and kind of weird and not that big a deal. Uh, I know Manny D'Souza is a partner of yours, and he does some work with Jack Hookson with Pro-Am Sports. Pro-Am Sports is an advertiser of ours. 
Uh, uh, we were talking, well, the trivia question the other day, the answer was Tony Granato. And I remember back in like 93, 94, Tony Granato clubbed Neil Wilkinson right over the head. That today is a 40-game suspension all day. He got 15 games. Like, that was a pretty significant suspension at that time. But, I mean, it was the woodchopper's ball. Like, he got all of them. And it's just a completely different time. Yeah, it is. And it, like I said, it's really fun to think about it and, and look back on it. I'm just glad it's over and that we've moved on. Like, as much as there's problems with today's game, I'm sure, it you didn't need to do that. Like, All right. So we'll talk uh, when Jerry uh, comes back with us here in Oilers now. Uh, we're going to sort of take that next step in his career trajectory and talk about how you got involved in uh, the agency business. And then we'll talk about some of the guys you represent now. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.